Enjoy this Sam soundbite. And if you would like to hear more, you can find full episodes and more at www.sportsandmore.ca. I think my favorite thing about Tommy Lasorda is love baseball, hate the Giants uh, that that came up in the uh, book because I have a a good friend of mine uh, who runs a sports memorabilia, Jack Cookson of Pro-Am Sports, who will relentlessly send me uh, beat LA stuff, beat LA. And, and I say to him, it's not going to happen very often. And he says, it doesn't matter. It's a lifestyle. So, you know, the, 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 the Lasorda was the ultimate Dodger. Was he not? Oh, a hundred percent for a kid from outside Philadelphia. It's, it's like he was born to be a Dodger. Yeah. You, know, you know, he, he came into the organization and once he was ensconced, both as a pitcher, mostly in the minor leagues, and then as a scout, and then as a minor league manager, and then as a major league third base coach, and finally as the major league manager, he didn't want to be anywhere else. I mean, the move to Los Angeles suited nobody better than him. Mm-hmm. You know, he was with the Brooklyn Dodgers as a minor leaguer. Uh, but he loved the glamour of Los Angeles. He loved rubbing elbows with movie stars. He loved the fact that they were as interested in meeting him as, as he was in meeting them. Uh, and and he was garrulous, man. As a third base coach, he got more ink than the manager, Walter <laughs> Alston. Uh, you know, and, and you can find clips of him like shimmying and dancing in the third base coach's box. He brought he brought a vibrancy to that team. Uh, and to his credit, I mean, he got multiple offers to manage elsewhere before the Dodgers job came open. I mean, Walter Alston had won the, the team's only championship. Right. Mm-hmm. He wasn't he wasn't about to be fired. Uh, and, and Tommy always said, I want Walt's job as soon as Walt is ready to give it up. Right. He, he wasn't pushing him in any way. Um, the Expos offered him their 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 managerial position for i think two hundred fifty thousand dollars over multiple years at a time when he was making less than twenty thousand dollars a year right and he turned it down he said there's only one job i want and that's in los angeles whenever walt is ready to step down and it eventually came open and and he ran with it yeah man did he ever um and 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 you're right he embraced la so much i mean you know the the he as you write in the book he has an entire wall dedicated to frank sinatra in his office and the don rickles story is one of the funniest stories that i've heard even though it sounds like it got embellished so many times over the years but just the the amount of celebrities that wanted to be around lasorda and he just he ate it up like it was pasta he did. And and he wanted to do favors for his celebrity friends. I mean, he he would invite them into the clubhouse. I mean, the reporters hated it because they wanted to go and get a postgame quote from Lasorda, who set up his office. I mean, when, when he when he took over the Dodgers, uh, Walt Alston had you know a very small office and that didn't suit Lasorda at all. So he kicked the trainers out of the trainers room, took that over as his office. He put up wood, wood paneling and photos of celebrities lined the walls, had a bar, had had a beer keg, had a refrigerator. It was it was decked out. And he would also have the post-game meal in there. The players would have to come in and see him, whether or not they wanted to. And that made things very difficult for the reporters who wanted to, A, get a quote, and maybe get Lasorda to talk about a player who was actually standing right next to them. It wasn't so easy. But he would have celebrities in there all the time. Uh, you talk about Don Rickles. And yes, the story has been embellished because the two principals, both Rickles and Lasorda, were guys who would embellish stories like this. Right. Uh, the story that, that is told frequently is that uh, Rickles suited up in a Dodgers uniform because you have to be uniformed personnel to be in the dugout. 
And it was a September game. The Dodgers had already clinched uh, very late in the season. It didn't matter. And Lasorda sent Rickles out to make a pitching change. Uh, the pitcher was <laughs> Elias Sosa, uh, who had no idea what to make of this. Um, and, and the umpire eventually, you know, went out to see what was going on, realized it was Rickles and, and asked him for tickets to a show that night. Mm-hmm. The, the actual story is still pretty great. You don't have to embellish it. He did not go out to make a pitching change. He just went out to talk to the pitcher right. who was you know, t- still just as confused as he would have been otherwise. Uh, and, and that was the end of it. I mean, the, the Dodgers actually had a limit. I think this was 1977, uh, Lasorda's first season as manager. The Dodgers realized that the, uh, the circus act that Lasorda was putting on actually could, could be carried too far. And they, they kind of clamped down after that. That was his, his final grand hurrah. So from that point on, especially in the eighties, if he was going to suit up his, his celebrity buddies, it was going to be as, as ball boys stationed down the, the lines. Yeah. There's, there's some really good um, uh, celebrity stories uh, about the Dodgers pregame and postgame that people should check out in, uh, in they bled blue. Um, what, when you look at Tommy Lasorda, um, you know, from the stories you tell about uh, the early days uh, where he was coaching minor league teams and how he motivated his players uh, w- w- are, are kind of like masterful. Like he, he sounds like he he either was a master motivator or a master manipulator, one of the two. And, and maybe a manager has to be a little bit of both. Uh, yeah, I think in, in, in many cases, they're one and the same thing. Mm. I, he, he got his players to do what he wanted with an eye toward winning baseball games. Um, you know, later on he's, he's been accused of over overworking Fernando Valenzuela. So, it, you know, there have been instances in which he put, he put his own desires ahead of those of his players, or maybe, you know, desire for the team. But by and large, he was able to extract the best out of his players at every level, starting from his very first appearance as a manager which was you know, on a fill-in basis during spring training, long before, before he was even a scout. Uh, he was asked to take over the Greenville team. They were a single-A ball club in the Dodgers chain. Uh, their manager couldn't make it you know, for an intra-squad scrimmage that day against uh, the AAA team. Uh, Lasorda was asked to take over, and he spent the entire pregame preaching to these guys about how he overheard the AAA manager, Preston Gomez, talking to his team about how they shouldn't even be on that same field with the single a ball club. It was, it's ridiculous. It's appalling that they, they would ask the triple a team to play such a ragtag group of players as, as the Greenville club. And he whipped them into a frenzy. He said, I want you going into second base as hard as you can. Every time there's a, a double play, I want you legging out grounders. Like, like it was the seventh game of the world series. And midway through the game, Preston Gomez approaches Tommy Lasorda wondering why everybody on the Greenville roster wants to kill his team <laughs> and keep staring daggers into the dugout at the manager. <laughs> like he was just trying to get some work in on a, on a spring afternoon, but that's Lasorda. He was not, he was not above embellishing the truth. You know, even, even when he was managing in Ogden in Utah, he, he, he sent out press passes for the very exclusive a lot in the Ogden stadium parking lot to, you know, to the, to the, uh, M- MVPs of the, the patronage, right? The, the, the most valuable uh, ticket holders. And he sent passes for the stadium club, neither of which existed. There was no stadium club. There was one parking lot. It didn't matter. He, he wanted to make as if that team, that low minor league team was something. And he did. Uh, all the way up to the major leagues, he sent letters to all his players when he took over the Dodgers. 
uh, after the 1976 season, uh, telling them exactly what his expectations were individually and for the team, uh, what he wanted them to work on, and and ultimately how much he believed in them. You know, Dusty Baker still has his letter hmm. and said that that he'd never received anything like it, and and it meant the world to him. And that was Lasorda. He he really got people on his side in in very very real ways. When you think of Tommy Lasorda as far as best qualities, I mean, I, I just recently watched the 1981 uh, clinching game and, and such a good job you do of telling the story of, of Lasorda, like jumping up excited when Bob Lemon pinch hit uh, for Tommy John and, 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 and watching that game, seeing how angry Tommy John was in the dugout, uh, you know, after being told that he was coming up, but that was a, it was a turning point because obviously, you know, back then guys went more than six innings, uh, as opposed to, uh, today's game. But, um, you know, was he a strategist? Like, what do you think his best quality was? No, I don't think he was a strategist and, and you can, you can find many examples over the course of his career, um, primarily pitching to Jack Clark in 1985. Yeah. Uh, where where his strategy didn't work. I mean, you can look at that same World Series uh, when Fernando Valenzuela was getting rocked by the Yankees early on, and Lasorda stuck with him for reasons that made sense to nobody but Lasorda. And actually, it worked out. Fernando found his footing in the middle innings through a complete game. I think it was 146 pitches, some, some ridiculous total. Uh, and and Lasorda said, if we had lost that game, they'd be you know rolling my head down down Wilshire Boulevard. Uh, but it worked out strategically. I don't think it was the right decision, but it, his, his gut told him to go with it. And he did. Uh, and you know, that's, that's who he was. I mean, he, he was, he was a motivator and he was a supreme motivator. He was not a supreme tactician, but he was, he was good enough to get by. Thanks for listening to this Sam soundbite. If you would like to hear more, you can find full episodes and more at www.sportsandmore.ca.